Can we celebrate 2020? Come on, put your hands together at home. What an incredible decade 2020 has been. I love that line, and I think it's, it rings true. I'm just hoping it doesn't actually turn out to be true. I'm hoping that as we have planned and we have worked hard to kind of squelch this sickness and this pandemic, that we're going to start 2021 with lots of favor, with lots of protection and the grace of God, and we're going to end this new year. We're going to begin it and end it in the favor of God. I want to also just take a moment right here at the beginning of the message, as this is our final Sunday for the year year to remind you that next Sunday we are kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know you've been feasting a lot and you're probably, you know, ready for a little break from all the sugar cookies and all of that nonsense that's going on. And, and sadly, I'm here to tell you that peppermint mochas are going away, okay? Peppermint milkshakes are going away and some of you, you need to mourn now, okay? It's ending on the first, it's ending, but we're going to begin January 3rd, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And as we have historically done every Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., we will offer online and in-person times to pray, and you'll even be able to do it on demand later in the day. And so if you're not an early riser, taking care of the kids and trying to figure all that out in the early morning, you can say, you know what, I'm going to do this at noon every day and join us on demand. Because we have enough space, we're going to offer uh, the opportunity for you to come in person every morning, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. sharp, Saturdays, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., and then Sunday during our worship services, we will pray and fast together. And I just want you to think about it, because you got about a week to kind of get your heart ready to go ahead and binge eat those donuts you've been hoarding anyway, okay? you got about a week to go ahead and do those things, and then get ready, because January 3rd is going to be all about giving God 21 of the first days in 2021. We're giving him 21 days to say, God, you're first. We're going to follow you and trust you. And so start to think about how you would participate in fasting. Maybe you're going to give up social media. Maybe you're going to give up sodas. Maybe you're going to give up some other things that you've really been meaning to give up for a long time. But here's the big deal. More than giving up something, think about what you're going to gain by putting God first place in your life. Fasting isn't so much about what you're letting go of, but what you're prioritizing. And you're prioritizing the presence of God in this new year. So think about it. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I believe it's going to be a lot of fun. Before I jump into the details of this message that I've simply titled Ending Well, I want to read you a verse that really has encompassed for me this entire year. Psalm 136, verse 1 and verse 4. It says, give thanks to the Lord. Come on, would you say it with me? Come on, read it full voice. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. As I said to you just a few moments ago, God has been so good to us. And as you close out this year, I want you to find a few moments, and maybe as you prepare to start the new year, I want you to find a few moments to maybe even memorize this verse or speak it over your heart and life. The faithful love of the Lord endures forever. He is faithful and has been good to us in every situation. And as we focus on his faithfulness and returning and responding with our own faithfulness, can I tell you, only great things can happen in 2021. I also just want to say, side note, if you're looking for something to add right on the very front of your prayer list for 21 days of prayer, would you pray for God to open the door up for an incredible building, a permanent home for One Hope Church? Come on, can I get an amen right there? We're praying for that and believing 
that God's going to open the door. So I want you to get your heart ready because I don't have a lengthy message, but I believe one that's really important for you and for you and I to move forward. If you're going to begin something new, I think you have to end what you had before. You have to let go of some things in the past. It's kind of like when you're going through a breakup, everyone. If you're going to break up, you need to have some time to really break up. Otherwise, you carry all that baggage into the next relationship. So I'm here to announce to every single one of you that I'm breaking up with 2020, all right? I mean, I'm giving up on her. She's done, all right? And 2021 is not going into my future. I'm not carrying any of your baggage into 2021. Can I get an amen at home? Go on. Say it in the chat right now. Amen, pastor. Preach it. Fire, fire, fire. Okay? Like, do something like that right there in the chat, all right? I'm breaking up with 2021, 2020, because I feel like 2020, if I look at it, it looks kind of like the old Miley Cyrus song. She came in like a wrecking ball, everybody, right? Like, I was expecting a year we're going to find a building. I was expecting a year that that God was going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a permanent facility on us. I, I had all kinds of dreams and ambitions. How about you? And then all of a sudden, everything changed very quickly. I mean, in a two days notice, they said, you can't have church. You got to figure out a place. And then I said, well, I got a living room. We'll do it. Technology, praise God, for an incredible production team. Can we give it up for them right now as we enjoy the power of technology today? And so in light of breaking up with 2020, because I want to encourage all of you to break up with her, okay? Or break up with him, however you are in this, uh, in this camp, okay? I prepared a few 2020 breakup lines just to help you, all right? 2020, here's my first breakup line, and you don't have to write these down, but if you do, I think you're truly spiritual, all right? 2020, I will always cherish my initial mis- misconceptions of you. That's breakup line number one. My initial misconceptions. Have you ever told that to someone? I really liked you in the beginning. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Well, we know what happened. They figured out who you really were, right? 2020, I think we should take our relationship back to 2019 levels. Can I get an amen, right? And we weren't even friends in 2019, all right? 2020, uh, if you take the L out of lover, it's over. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care if you laughed at it or not. 2020, I think it's about time we cancel our gym membership because we're not working out anymore. (laughs) 2020, we need to cover more ground, so we should split up. (laughs) 2020, it's not me, it's you. (laughs) For sure, it's 2020. And listen, with all the craziness, I think it's good to have a little bit of levity, a little bit of laughter, and that's what we always try to do, to bring the grace of God and the truth of God to you so that you can laugh a bit. But in reality, I think we really need to break up with the negative impacts of 2020. So many of us are carrying some of that negativity in our mindset. There's a little fear as you look at 2021, where you used to set aside some time in January to pray and fast and really dream big about what God would do, maybe what God would do through you. You're kind of hesitant right now about dreaming about that. You're concerned about how it's going to affect your family in the future and whether the job is going to work out or, or, or whether it's even going to be there in the coming months because they keep signaling and signaling that something might change. I want you to know that the Bible is very, very clear that we can end all of that craziness because when you're in the hands of God, you're in good hands. Amen, everybody? When you're in the hands of God, you're not in the hands of politicians. You're not in the hands of the world. You're not in the hands of the pandemic. You're in the hands of a loving and gracious God who will carry you through. And I want to help you to let go of some of the negativity that's trying to creep into our lives. Some of the anxiety that's trying to just become who we are. 
I read even today that someone said, I'm anxious, I'm depressed. And this leader said in the very next line, that's really negative because you just feel anxious and you feel depressed, but now you're beginning to define yourself as those things. Can I just tell you today, you're not anxious, you might be feeling anxious. You're not depressed, you might be feeling it. And if you will focus your attention on the goodness and the faithfulness of God, you'll begin to break that hold and you'll define yourself as victorious. You'll define yourself as a child of God. Come on, a, a man or woman of God called and made in his, his image. You begin to see yourself that way. You'll begin to break the hold of it in your life. And all of us, and even if you look at the Bible, all of us, many of us have not started everything well. Some of us kind of got off to the races with some, some bad ideas, some faulty theology. Many of us, we started our lives without even knowing the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of us started in a very broken and empty and sinful way, and we've begun to find our way through the grace of God. I want you to think about this with me, how some of the apostles even started with Jesus. Not all of them started out really in a great situation. Many of them were fishermen. Many of them were poor. Many of them were hard pressed. Many of them were struggling. Many of them had, you know, they had faulty character traits. As you look at the apostle Peter, think about how he started with God, but how he ended was different. He started with God by saying, you know what, you can't wash my feet, Jesus. All right, I don't know about you, but anybody who wants to wash my feet, I'm game, all right? But uh, Jesus walked in, Savior of the world, and says, if you're going to take part in me, you've got to let me wash your feet, because Jesus was trying to teach the heart of a servant to his leaders. Peter's first response was in the beginning, hey, we're not doing that. You don't need to wash my feet. And then Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you've got to get out. And Peter says, well, then would you wash my head too? <laughs> Love Peter. He always says the wrong thing at the right time. <laughs> That's what he does. Think about Peter when they came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus was the epitome of nonviolent. He was the epitome of someone who would not approach a situation. If he wanted to overthrow the government, he was clear he could call legions of angels out of heaven and do it. But he chose peace. He chose grace. And when they come to arrest Jesus, what's Peter do? He takes out the one sword that they've got and he walks over and chops somebody's ear off. All right. Have you ever met a Christian like that? Come on. They, they smiled at you, but did, did more harm than you ever wanted. All right. <laughs> This is Peter's beginning. This is how Peter engaged. This is where he thought. And then when it all seems to come down to the final moments, what does he do? He denies Jesus three times. All for fear of a little girl saying, aren't you one of those Jesus followers? Think about Peter's beginning. It wasn't great. And maybe as you look at 2020, you see some moments where you say, oh, I wish I could hide that I said that. <laughs> I wish I could uh, delete that post or that tweet or that thing that I said. I can't believe that I responded that way. Well, can I tell you, you can delete some of them, so go ahead and do it in Jesus' name. <laughs> There's no reason for that to go on for the rest of your life. But as you look back, you can see some things to say, man, I wish it were better. But today I want you to know, even if you didn't begin well, you can end well. Even if you didn't start all this well, you can end it well. And to show you what this might look like, I want to take you to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I just also want you to know that today's message is, is a bit of a maturing message. Because we're going to talk a little bit about going through trials and really suffering in a way that honors God. 
Now, I don't like suffering. I don't know about you. I don't want to go through hardship. But one of the realities of following Jesus is that you will go through times where you walk through hardship, where you walk through seasons of suffering. And it's in those seasons that you see the goodness of God better than ever. First Peter chapter four and verse 12, listen to what he says. I love the first two words. Come on, say it with me. He says, dear friends, when anybody says dear friends, get ready, all right? Because <laughs> the next few words are gonna be challenging. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. What did you say, Peter? Like, don't be surprised. I should start expecting pandemics. No, that's not what Peter said. But he said, you should expect that everything isn't going to go easy for you. Because God never promised an easy life. He promised that this life would be a test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. He promised that this life in light of eternity is that fast. So even though it feels like suffering in light of eternity, it will be nothing to go through when you look at it in the light of what Jesus has done for you, when you put it into perspective, he says, don't be surprised, dear friends, that the fiery trial you're going through, don't, don't be surprised by that. And he goes on in the next verse and says, instead, let me give you an alternative view. Be very glad. <laughs> you ever met somebody who has a good fake laugh? You know they're fake laughing. And, and so that's exactly what Peter's saying right there. Like, you're in the middle of the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> I want you to... That wasn't funny, but it was, okay? Think about it. He says, I want you to be very glad in the middle of this for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. Listen, I know I can't even be in your living room, but I can hear the birds chirping in your living room right now because no one wants to say, amen, bring on the suffering, God. Come on, I'm ready. No one wants to say that, and I'm not saying you should. He says, instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners. They say you're in it with Jesus, that you're not in it alone, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. There's going to be a moment that we get to really smile when we see the glory of God revealed. And today, I just want you to know as your pastor, whether we've had the opportunity to meet in person or maybe for months now, you've just been calling one hope home, but we haven't physically been able to see one another. That I want you to know that I'm proud of the way you've been going through this. I believe you're setting yourself up for ending better than you began. I believe you're setting yourself up for really accomplishing what God intended because what I see is your strength in the middle of this trial. That's what I'm proud of. Come on, write it down with me. Pastors, pastor said he's proud of me because of my strength in the middle of this trial because when you could have backed down, you did not. I think about the early team that as soon as they, they gave us Thursday night, they called and said, you can't meet in your church facility. You can't go there. You can't do anything. What are we going to do? I remember our staff and our team, our expanded team, everyone started to rally and say, what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to pick up this. I'm going to pick up that. Man, we loaded up so much equipment into a vehicle because we had one shot to do it. And all of a sudden, my living room became a production center for church online. If you missed those Sundays, some of the best messages I ever preached were right next to my fireplace. I'm thinking about going back. How about y'all? Want to join me? Want to join? It'd be fun, all right? I want you to think about the strength that you've had rather than the weakness. Secondly, I want you to know how proud I am because of the resilience you've shown in the moments of great pain. 
I'm trying to stir your heart to think about how you've gone through this season. And there has been real pain. Some of us have lost friends. Some of us have lost loved ones, parents, grandparents. Some of us have had to go through the fear of dropping off a loved one at the hospital, but not being able to walk in and hold their hands through their suffering. And can I tell you, when that fear begins to try and creep up into your heart and life, it requires a godlike resilience to keep getting up. Think about the moments, even personally, where we faced physical challenges in our own home, having to call the emergency hotline to have uh, an EMT come to our home for fear that, that someone wasn't going to make it. For me, can I tell you, in those moments, you need an incredible amount of resilience to get up. And what I see in you is that resilience. What I see in you is the ability to get up and move forward. You've got strength. You've got resilience. And number three, what I see in you is this heart to serve others in need. When it would have been easy to say, Pastor, you know, there's some really, there's some, this church over here and that church over there. And we could just, we can attend online. We could tell some people to go to your pastor's church, Pastor. And we could have chosen all these other things. Instead, we said, no, 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 no. Not only are we going to provide a place to worship every single Sunday in the middle of this pandemic, but we're going to start picking up meals and delivering to families that shouldn't get out and to, to the elderly and to those in need, those who are facing and dealing with sickness. We're going to pick up what they need and we're going to deliver it. Can I just tell you how proud I am to be a part of a church that served for so many hours and makes a difference in so many ways. Come on, right there in your living room, would you give yourself a big hand for serving, serving those in need? I'm so proud of you. I need you to think differently about this year. Rather than focusing on the pain and the suffering, think about your strength, your resilience. Think about the service to others in this season. And it's in that mindset that you're going to find the strength and the resilience in the heart to enter 2021 going, look out, I'm coming in. And when I come in, I'm going to bring hope I'm going to bring life to every person that I touch. To do this, I think we have to go back to what Peter says in 1 Peter. Because as you read scripture, often the apostles would present the problem. And like great preachers, they would present the solution in the same passage. And so today, if you're considering how to study this in the future, just read 1 Peter 4, because that's where we're going to be the whole day. And as you read 1 Peter 4, he just talks about the things you and I need to do differently. Verse 19, here's what it says. He says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, can we just stop right there? <laughs> he says, you got to do it in a way that pleases God. Wow. That's even tough to read. I certainly found myself suffering in a manner that wasn't pleasing to God. I mentioned a few moments ago about having to call an EMT and some of you are like wondering what happened 
For some reason, during the middle of this, my wife was battling a sickness that wasn't COVID-19, and there was this a late night where she started to feel really bad, and all of a sudden, she passed out in our bedroom late at night, and I didn't know what was going on, and she wasn't breathing, and next thing you know, right in the middle of this, we're having flashing lights in the police department, and then the two uh, you know, uh, paramedics come into our bedroom, and I'm, I'm holding my wife on my lap, wondering if she's going to make it, barely breathing. And can I tell you, in that moment, I was praying like I never prayed before. I was praying in every language I had, heavenly or not. I was saying, oh God, would you show up? God, would you, would you perse- help me to, to, to help her to persevere through this? Would you help us to make it? But then can I tell you, there was so much fear regarding COVID-19 that the two paramedics that came in didn't even want to touch her. And I was, I was sitting there wondering what I was going to do in the process. And this may be a lot of information for you, but I, I started having thoughts that were not very pastoral. Can I tell you? I said, you're not even going to, uh, you know, you know, you're not gonna even going to check her pulse. And they're just looking at us. You're, you're not going to even, you're not going to touch her. Are you going to take her to the hospital? What are you going to do? And it became this moment where the lady, I think she was keen on my face changing, probably looking in a way that was ungodly. And she said, sir, we're going we're gonna to check her. And she looked at the other person who was very hesitant and said, get this and get that and get this. And all of a sudden they began to do full workup. And in those next few moments, the color started to return. And I started to have confidence that she was going to be okay and And I just want you to know, it's in moments like that where you say, am I doing this in a way that's pleasing to God? And I'm here to say, sometimes we fall short, even I do. But what do you do after that? 1 Peter 4, 19 says, so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is, come on, say me, do what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will, come on, say it out loud, he will never fail you. Say it again, come on. He will never fail you. He will show up for you if you will trust him in the situation. So that's what we did. We trusted God and he's been faithful. By the way, if you weren't in church last weekend, she preached an incredible message. She's doing great. She's healthy. And it turned out to be something really minor, but sometimes minor things present as major things and you just don't know. But God is always faithful if you'll trust him. What I want to do in our remaining just a few moments is to give you a few comparisons that Peter brings to light. And each is just the following verse. And I thought it would be a little more fun just for you taking notes to kind of put it in this more than that. I want you to do this more than that. So number one, take some notes with me. If we're going to suffer in a way, in a manner that is actually pleasing to God, number one, you're going to have to have a little more humility than pride. See, pride says I've got this on my own. Whether we do it overtly or inadvertently, sometimes we say, God, I've got this. God, I've got this. And what you're saying is my hands are big enough for the problem. And I just want you to know that I come with a whole lot more humility and say, God, I don't got this. <laughs> I know poor English, but you're with me, right? I, God, I, I don't have it. I can't carry it. In my own strength and in my own ability, I can't do it. But God, as we head into 2021, I want you to start with a little more humility, maybe a little more time on your knees. As one of my great mentors says, when a man on his knees can't fall far from that position. 
When you bow down before God and you really humble yourself before God, more than say you've got it in control and you've got it under, like it's in your hands. Rather than doing that, when you say, God, I need you, it's exemplifying a heart that says, I want to be humble. I also believe that whether you like it or not, you either choose humility or you choose to be humbled. They're really only one of two choices. And it's so much easier to willingly humble yourself. First Peter 5 and 6, he says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. How about that? At the right time, God will lift us up out of this. At the right time, your finances are going to be lifted up out of this situation. At the right time, if you'll stay humble before God, he will lift you up out of any circumstance. And so no matter what you're going through today, I want you to make sure that God is number one in your life and in your mind and in your mouth. You're talking about him. That's the first way that you can suffer in a manner that's pleasing to God. Here's the second thing I want you to do. I want you to trust God more than you're going to worry about the situation. See, worry is you trying to figure it out on your own. And listen, we all have moments where we worry. We all have moments where we're trying to figure it out. But trust is saying you rely upon God to be true to his word. Rather than saying, God, I'm not really sure about you. God, I'm not really sure you're going to show up, so I've got to do it all on my own. I love the Allstate commercials from years ago where they used to come out and say, you're, you're in good hands with Allstate. And these large hands would come on out. You remember these commercials? And I, and I always thought my dad, he was kind of, you know, he's a pastor for over 40 years and he's full of corny jokes just like me. <laughs> and he would always say, look, God's hands are bigger than Allstate's hands, Joshua. Thanks, Dad. Captain Obvious, all right? <laughs> But it's sometimes those silly things that stay with you. So parents, continue the dad jokes, continue the mom jokes, keep on doing it. Why? Because one day your kids are going to be thinking about all the things they're worried about and they're going to come back to that little funny thing you used to say. That Hey, God's hands are bigger than an insurance company's hands. You can trust him with your heart. You can trust him with your finances. You can trust him with your family. You can trust him with your fear. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with your broken marriage. You can trust him with your children. God is trustworthy. So 1 Peter 5 and 7 says it this way, give all your worries. I love the word all when it comes to God. Give all your worries and cares to God. Come on, say it with me. For he cares about you. You may say, well, pastor, I I don't know If God really cares for me, can I tell you, if God didn't care for you, things would be worse for you. If God's grace had been lifted off of your life, it could be worse. I had somebody say, I'm not sure God wants to save me while they were attending a church service where the preacher was saying, God wants to save you. And I said, if there was ever a witness for you to know that God still wants to save you, is that he's got you somewhere where someone's saying, God wants to save you. If you think you've done too much or you're not good enough and maybe you're wondering what your future might look like, heaven or hell. But listen, can I tell you, if you'll trust God, you won't have to pay for your own sins. My pastor has said it for years. It's one of my favorite lines that hell isn't a place where God sends people that he hates. Hell is a place where people pay for their own sins. 
And why would you ever pay for your sins when God sent Jesus on your behalf to make a way for you to have a relationship to the Father? Why would you ever, when someone stepped in and said, hey, I'm willing to take care of that for you? See, I want you to to choose humility over pride. I want you to choose trust over worry. And number three, I want you to stand strong more than being a snack for the enemy. Come on, somebody. Let me read you the verse and it'll make sense to you because I got a good friend who always loves to say, hey, you looking like a snack, but this is the wrong kind of snack, all right? But here's what 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says. He says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want you to stand firm against him and be strong in your Faith. I want you to stand strong, church. Come on, say those two words with me. I want you to stand strong. Say it again. I'm going to stand strong. In every situation, I'm going to stand strong. Why? Because I'm not going to willingly become a snack for the enemy. I'm not setting myself up, my finances up, my friendships up. Some of you, can I just tell you, the decisions you're making are decisions that are made in pride and in worry, and you're setting yourself up to be a snack. That's what you're doing. And it's the wrong kind of snack. (laughs) That's funnier than you're laughing at, but I just thought you'd need a little help right here in the service. Think about it. Peter says that we have an enemy who's always trying to take advantage of us. But if you'll stay alert and you'll stand strong, you won't end up that way. I love to promise you that 2021, all of this is over, but I don't know that. What I do know that is if you'll humble yourself before God and you'll trust God and you'll stand strong, you'll begin to know that regardless of what happens in the world, you've got a God who's working on your behalf. I want you to stand strong. Here's the last, and we close today. Number four, I want you to remember more than you forget. I want you to start remembering the goodness of God more than forgetting the goodness of God. I think when there's suffering right in front of you, it's very easy just to focus all of your attention on the suffering rather than remember, man, God, you did it in the past. You'll do it in the future. First Peter 5 and 9, he says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Hey, church, remember that Christians all over the world are going through this with you. I want you to remember that you're not alone. I want you to remember that not only is God with you, but we're with you. As we celebrated some of the great things we made a difference in, one of the things I'm most excited about were the over 1,300 small group gatherings where while we were socially distancing, we weren't socially isolating from believers. Where we were saying, hey, we can't touch right now, but I'm going to see your eyes via Zoom or via a long table, whatever distance we need. I'm going to make sure that you know that I'm here for you. Whether it's me tying up a bag that we've, we've made sure is just so clean and prepared and we put it on the porch. And from the car, we waved and said, hey, I've got your back. I want you to remember that in this year when you felt alone, you had a reality that the church of Jesus Christ was with you. And that you're not alone. And that God, God is with you, and so are we.
I need to say that out loud. Hey, God is with me. And my church family is too. We have our one hope in Jesus Christ. And we are one hope. We are a church that's doing the best we can with all that we have to love God and to love people. And I want you to remember on the moments you feel lonely that you're not lonely. You might feel lonely, but you aren't alone. You might feel anxious, but you can beat it. You might feel discouraged or depressed, but if you open your heart to humility and trust, standing and remembering, it creates a recipe in the middle of your suffering that says, I know that on the other side of this, that I'm going to end better than I ever started. Some days for me, I have to lift my eyes even to heaven as I walk through some of the hardships that you've gone through. I've had to even sit with some of you and say, I don't have the answer, but one day we'll stand with God and we'll, we'll get the answer together. I don't know it all, but we'll trust the word of God and we'll stay humble before God and we're going to stand strong. We're going to remember that God is good. First Peter ends this way. He says, in his kindness, God has called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. He's called you. So after you have suffered a little while, can we just say, God, we're done? (laughs) I'm ready for it to be over. So after you have suffered a little while, come on, read the words. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. After you have gone through a season of this, If you'll suffer in a manner that's pleasing to God, you know what he'll do? He will restore, support, strengthen you, and he will place your feet on a firm foundation. This year, what I have seen God do in my own life is restore, support, strengthen, and when the foundation should have seemed shaky, I've had great confidence that God is on our side. That's what he wants to do for you today. Wherever you're worshiping with us today, would you bow with me in prayer? At home, at the office, your living room. Maybe you're holding that cup of coffee right now and you've been focused anxiously on how is it all going to begin? Well, I'm telling you how it's going to begin. We're going to begin by ending the fear and the worry. And we're going to begin the new year trusting God with humility, standing strong and remembering a God who is faithful to us in every circumstance. With every head bowed and every eye closed in every room that's watching right now, if today you need the grace of God in your life, maybe you need to come home and declare that he's Lord and Savior. Maybe you've allowed too much of this fear and anxiety to take over and you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. If that's you, would you whisper this prayer? Say these words. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.